we're going to start in chapter 10. I'm not going to take you through all 43 lessons, but I do want to take you through a lot of lessons. And I'm going to take you through what um, I believe is some of the most important parts of this. Um, but at the same time, the whole book is, is incredible. Um, Corinth was known as a city, a sporting city. It was also known as a, a worldly city. Um, there was gods to all kinds of things, and um, they, they had a biannual sporting activity, kind of like the Olympics, and um, it was a central hub, so economically it did very well. Um, there's all kinds of things that you should know about the city of Corinth, but really we want to kind of delve into the, the church at Corinth. And the interesting thing about the church at Corinth was the church at Corinth began to um, take on much of the culture of the city of Corinth. And sometimes you think, well, that's a good thing, right? Well, not necessarily, not when things are being done wrong. And so they began to assimilate with the culture around them, and they began to kind of, the culture kind of began to permeate into the church. And really, Paul spends the entire book of 1 Corinthians um, dealing with much of that. He says, this is the way that you guys are currently doing things, but let me show you what God says. Let me show you how it should be happening. And so we have uh, kind of looked at it in that perspective. And so I, wanna, I actually want to spend some time talking about how we can change and how the culture of our church needs to be. How it needs to be different from the culture around us, but how it needs to be inside to one another. And Paul deals very much with those things. If you know anything about the church at Corinth, it was what we call a carnal church. When you think, oh man, that church at Corinth, wow. You never say, what a spiritual church. Most people don't. Most people look at it and go, it was a carnal church because of that cultural permeation. So I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled this, this evening, Honoring Your Head. Honoring Your Head. I want you to know this. Satan hates God. Satan hates God. They are not best friends. They are enemies, and Satan wants to hurt God as much as he possibly can. In fact, Satan wants to undo everything that God has done. Everything. I, 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 I shudder to think about what Satan can do. Satan is powerful, and Satan wants to take what, what God has done, and he wants to just completely unravel that thing. Satan wants to defeat God. He tried, and he will continue to try. He wants to defeat God. Now, Satan can never defeat God. It will never happen. But one of the ways Satan can hurt God is to get God's people to dishonor God. One of the ways that Satan can hurt God is to get us, God's people, to dishonor him. What is the, most, uh, what is the worst way your child can hurt you? Really dishonor you. That is, that is a huge thing. In fact, the Bible says, children, honor your parents. It's, it's something that is important. Satan wants people to disregard God, to push him aside. We don't want anything to do with you. And he wants us to disregard who God is in our lives. Satan wants people to forget that God even exists in their lives. Yeah, even Christians. He wants you to forget that God is even a part of your life. Satan wants people to deny God. Satan wants people to deny God. And don't think that you're exempt. Satan wants to attack you. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to desperately 
turn you away from God. Jesus told Peter that Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to separate you as you would separate the wheat from the chaff. He doesn't want you to have that relationship with God. He wants to separate that. Satan does that. Satan wants you to completely defy God. Satan wants you to, to completely defy God. You say, Pastor Yeomans, I'm a Christian. I, I've gone to this church for X number of years or whatever you want to say. Put in, put in your caveat and you say, I would never do such a thing. I, I, I feel the same way. But can I tell you, that's what Satan wants you to do. Satan wants you to do that. In fact, he wants you to do that in probably the most minute ways that you don't think of. Satan wants you to lie. And that defies God. That's, in fact, the, the Old Testament tells us that lying lips are abomination to God. So listen, understand this, that in, even in the smallest ways, Satan wants you to defy God. But God is obviously, is worthy. God is looking for something different. God does not want us to defy him. He is worthy of our honor and our admiration. He is worthy, and he is looking for something a little bit different. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Everything was created for God's pleasure. And we have the responsibility, the honor, the, the, the opportunity, if you will, to live like that. I want to look at two specific things in that verse. To receive glory and honor. God is worthy to receive glory and honor. I want you to look at honor from Webster's Dictionary. It means a high estimation, respect, or reverence. Honor means a high estimation, a respect, a reverence. So let me ask you this question. Do you honor God? Does he have a high estimation? Do you have a respect for him? Do you have a reverence for him? If not, then you're not living up to what God created you to do. This is what he has created us to do. He's worthy to receive glory and honor. But number two, I want you to see glory, and that's from Webster's Dictionary. Praise, honor, or admiration. Praise, honor, or admiration. So we understand this. God deserves our honor and our glory. So anytime that you think you want to do something for yourself, God deserves that. If you say, if you compliment me, I always try to say thank you and praise the Lord. Because if anything good happens through this person, it's because of God. If I take glory for myself, do you know who I'm being? Satan. Because Satan was, is described as the angel of light. He was to give honor and glory to God. And God, I mean, he had all these power and he was beautiful and lovely. And you know what he began to do? He began to look at himself and see how wonderful he was and how powerful he was. And he began to turn that and show that to God and say, look it, I can take you on. So when we receive honor and we receive glory to ourselves, we are defying and dishonoring God. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the end of the chapter, and verse 31. A convicting verse. The Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat <coughs> or drink 
or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. I love how he puts in eating and drinking. Because really, those are the minutest things that we do all day, every day. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever, I mean, this is all inclusive. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why? Because he's worthy of that. He, he deserves our honor and our pleasure. So if you can, if you will, put yourself, we're talking about the church. This is the context of 1 Corinthians. And so we're putting this inside the church. Every individual is a part of the church. You are responsible to be a part of the church. So understand, everything that the church body does should be to the honor and glory of God. Let me say that again. Everything, everything that the church does should be to the honor and glory of God. That just doesn't mean in these four walls. That just doesn't mean on Sunday or Wednesday. You see, we are the body of Christ. We'll see that. We saw that in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> but God deserves our honor and glory in every way, in everything. So whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. But I want you to jump down to chapter 11 and look at verse 1. I'm going to read a lengthy portion of Scripture, and I'm going to tell you right off the hop. It's confusing. But just stay with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 to 16, the Bible says this, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying... Or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not the woman of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so it is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. How many of you are like, yeah, that's the best piece of scripture I've ever read? Not very many of us. It's slightly confusing and really kind of difficult. But again, this message is entitled, Honoring Your Head. There is so much, and I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. There is so much in this passage that I do not understand. There's so much. Like, let's, let's be real. I don't completely understand the full ramifications of having your head covered or uncovered. 
I mean, it says that if, you're, if a woman be not covered or if she is covered and she shouldn't be covered in this, that, and the other thing. So this is where we all, ladies, now you have to start wearing hats to church. I don't know if that's what the Bible is telling us. I really don't. And men, if you wear a hat in church, oh my goodness, it's just going to be bad. And men, it, it just, there's so much in here. Uh, but I, I don't know all of the things that are going on. I don't understand it all. But this I do know. There was obviously a problem with this in the church at Corinth. Whatever the problem is, Paul takes a great deal of time and effort to write about it. So there are some that believe this was a worldly thing that was being brought into the church. Some people believe that a woman that did not have her head covered was considered a prostitute. So, whoa, hang on. That's, that's entirely possible we don't know. All this to say that it is still unclear to me the exact reason for having a head covered or uncovered. We don't know. Listen, there are some cultural things that were going on at the time that we just really don't understand. We don't have all the things that we have here. But there is something that is clear to me. And I believe this is the point of the passage, and this is what we will look at tonight. Here it is. We all have a head. And we are all to honor that head. We all have a head, and we are all to honor that head. I want you to notice that the word head speaks of two different things in this passage. It talks about your physical head. But there's also another one, and it talks about it in verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. So there's, there's a physical head, but there's also a relational head. And so this is so important. So I'm going to get you to put up that next slide, and that's, that is this. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. I did not come up with this. For all of you ladies who are going, oh boy, here we go. This is from the Bible. So if you want to take it up with someone, take it up with God. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of the woman. You can see that here in verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. This is where we're at. And so, yes, we have a physical head, and I don't understand all the ramifications of covering your head or uncovering your head, but this I do know. We, can't, we all have a relational head, every one of us. Let me ask you a good and honest question. Here's the first one. Are God and Christ one? Okay, you're going to have to help me out here. Are God and Christ one? Yes, good answer. John chapter 10 and verse 30, the Bible says, I and my Father are one. Very important. They are one. They are equal. They are absolutely wonderful. Now let me ask you another question. Are the husband and wife one? Yes, now we're getting somewhere, all right? Mark chapter 10 and verse 8. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. That's talking about a husband and a wife. They are one. They are equal. Now let me ask you this question. Was Christ in subjection to God? Okay, do you understand what you just said? Jesus and God equal. Christ was 
in subjection to God. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. In being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ humbled himself and became obedient to God the Father. He was in subjection to him. So even though Christ and God are equal, God is still the head of Christ. It is still the order. But Christ made himself subject unto God when he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now this is where I get in trouble. Here's the fourth question. Is the wife supposed to be in subjection to her husband? All the men, yes. Reach it! Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Husband, wife, they're equal. But yet the order is placed by God. The order is placed that the wife be in subjection to the husband. So even though they're one, the husband is still the head of the wife. It's, it's the order. Notice that the Bible doesn't say Lord. The Bible says head. You notice the Bible doesn't say that the husband is the Lord of the wife. Make sure that's clear, guys. It's just head. You're just a head. So the husband does not lord over the wife, but the husband is the head of the wife. Okay, don't turn me off yet. Stay with me. Focus. Here we go. Christ is the head of every man. Christ is the head of every man. And Christ wants us to be one with him. Do you understand that? So we've, we've gone down. God and Christ are one. The husband and the wife are one. But we've missed out on this middle portion. Christ and us. John chapter 17 and verse 21 says this. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. See, God wants us to be one. God wants us, his disciples, his church, to be one in him, a unity. So let me ask you this question. What hinders us? from being one with Christ. What hinders us from being one with Christ? Can I give you one word? Dishonor. Dishonor. What hinders us from being one with Christ? Dishonor. Oh, you could put sin in there. Oh, you could put transgression. You could put pride. You could put whatever you want, but you boil all those down and they all come out with dishonor. You're dishonoring Christ. Look at verse 4 with me. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. You understand that you can dishonor your head. Now, again, please understand, there's two types of heads in this passage. I have no idea which one this is talking about. Obviously, the head being covered, but does he dishonor his head or does he dishonor his head? I have no idea. I'm just going to be honest with you. 
But for the sake of this message, we're going to go with the fact that he's dishonoring. There's a possibility to dishonor our head of Christ. Now let me ask you this question. What hinders a husband and wife being one? You can say pride. You can say all kinds of different things. But can I boil it down to one word? Dishonor. Dishonor. What hinders a husband and wife from being one? It's dishonor. Look at verse 5. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. So if she prays with her head uncovered, it dishonoreth her head. And so this, you can dishonor, it's, it's, it's about dishonor. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, the Bible says this. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. So this is, uh, this is all I want you to get, is that there is a possibility to dishonor your head. There is a possibility for a wife to dishonor her husband. There's a possibility for the husband to dishonor Christ. And get this, there was an opportunity for Christ to dishonor God. All of us have the opportunity. All of us that will strain the relationship, that will hurt the relationship. Culturally, the thought process is this. It's all about me, isn't it? That's, that's the thought process out there. Culturally. Everybody's, it's all about me. Uh, I want to do what I want to do. And as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live it. It's all about me. But Paul is showing us here that we all have someone else we are to be honoring. I'm going to say that again. Paul is telling us that we all have someone else we ought to be honoring. So ladies... You say, I just don't want to listen to my husband. Listen, understand this. You are dishonoring the head that God has put in place. Gentlemen, I don't have to listen to my wife. I'm the man of this house and I don't have to do anything she says and I'm going to put my foot down. Let me tell you something. You are dishonoring Christ. You're dishonoring your head. Well, I, I don't have to live according to the, uh, the way that, that they want me to. And, you know, I don't have to listen to that other person in this church. And, uh, you know, I just don't like this person in the church. And they, they did this wrong to me and they did that wrong to me. And Can I help you understand something? You have those attitudes. You're dishonoring Christ. You're dishonoring your head. We all have an opportunity to dishonor our head. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, for man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. Do you, you understand that man is the image and glory of God? God created all things for his honor, for his glory. He's worthy of it. And he says, you are the image and glory of me. And so listen, when you dishonor someone, when you dishonor someone in this church, you're dishonoring your head. You're dishonoring God. Let's continue, verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, 
But the woman of the man, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. So he ties it back into each other. Paul takes us back to the very beginning of creation. The man was created for the woman, and the woman for the man. The Bible says this, oh, excuse me, in this creation, God set forth in order. We I hope you understand that woman was taken out of man. That's the definition of woman. The woman was created for man as an helpmeet. This was the sole reason for her creation. Go, go look it up. Don't take my word for it. God created Eve to be an helpmeet. The reason for her creation was that the man should not be alone and that the man would have an helpmeet. This was God's ordained order. This was God's ordained order and this still is God's ordained order. Culture wants to get this all out of whack. But it's God's ordained order. Our culture wants to disrupt this. Satan wants to disrupt this. But disrupting this will only bring dishonor. And for those of you who think all I'm doing is harping on women tonight, notice with me verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Everything, everything that, God has, or that, that Paul has written here so far, it all needs to be done to honor God. Ladies, when you honor the authority placed over you by God, you honor God. You don't honor your husband necessarily. You honor God. Men, when you honor the authority placed over you by God, you honor God. The whole goal is not to honor necessarily your head. But to honor the true head, God, you're honoring your head. Watch this. In glorifying your head, you glorify yourself. In glorifying your head, you glorify yourself. Now let's look at verse 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Who is it a shame to? It's a shame unto him. It's a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to who? Her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Understand this. When you glorify your head, when you try to do all that you can to live life in a way that honors God, in a way that honors your husband, in a way that honors Christ, in a way that honors all of those things, listen, what you actually end up doing is you end up honoring yourself. You actually end up glorifying yourself. You see, the, the, the whole thing Satan wants to do is he wants to put it into your mind. Hey, it's all about you. It's all about you. Don't worry about anybody else. It's all about you. And listen, we're gonna, we, we can have that attitude in this church. It's all about me. It's about what I want to do. I don't care what anybody else wants to do. It's about what I want to do. And I guarantee you, get this, when you have that attitude, you not only dishonor your head, you dishonor yourself. In, in, in your 
physical, fleshly desire to honor yourself, all you're doing is dishonoring. You're doing the exact opposite. But if you will follow God and you will humble yourself, you understand this, you will humble yourself, you will be exalted. It's, it, it's such reverse psychology, but that's the way the Lord works. He that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So if, listen, if you want to glorify yourself, if you want to help yourself out, start honoring your head in everything that you do. Especially in the church. Especially as a member of the body of the church. Glorify God. Glorify God. Matthew chapter 23, in verse 12, the Bible says this, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. It's confusing. But nonetheless, it's really simple. Honor your head. Let's bring this confusion to a close, and hopefully you'll gain something from this. Every one of us has a head. Everyone. Every person in this room, every child, every wife, man, woman, child, doesn't matter who you are, we all have a head. That does not mean we have someone that is better than us or someone that is worse than us. So as a husband, that doesn't mean my wife is worse than me. It's, we're still equal. I, I, we're just ahead. Every one of us needs to honor that head. Whether we understand it or not. Whether we agree with it or not. Whether we want to or not. We all have a head. And we need to submit ourselves to that head. And honor it. In everything. Honoring God in everything we do. And there's going to be times where you do not want to. There's going to be times where that person next, that's sitting next to you, it could be your spouse, just drives you up a wall. My mom used to say this, and I don't think it's very good for Baptists, but she used to say, you drive me to drink. <laughs> now, to my knowledge, my mother's never drank. But if you knew me as a child, you would say the same thing. So I don't, I don't care if they drive you up a wall. I don't care what they do to you. Realize this. Your objective in life is not to justify what you do on this level. Your objective in life is simply to honor your head. That's it. So, you know, you know the old saying we used to use WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? And I'm not trying to say I agreed with everything that was involved in that, but the thought process is fairly simple. How can I honor God in every situation of my life? Every situation. Now, I'm going to listen to the music that I want to listen to. Does that honor God? I'm going to look at something. Does that honor God? I'm going to pay money for something. 
Does that honor God? I'm going to go into debt. Does that honor God? I'm going to uh, uh, step on somebody to, to climb up the corporate ladder. Does that honor God? Listen, we all have a head. We must all honor God. Listen, this is the basis for church. This is the basis. God died for us. He gave his life for us. And in return, we give our lives back to him and say, God, here's my life. Take and use it. Be honored. Be glorified through it. The Bible says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The next verse says, honor thy father and thy mother. Even children have a head. Every one of us has a head. And in case you've forgotten, Christ is the head of the church. And we are his body. We are his body. And so we get to, with the opportunity to honor him in everything we do. I'm talking about when you come in to this building and you see something that you don't like or you hear something that you don't like, you have a responsibility to honor God and handle that properly. I'm talking about when you come in and, and God is doing something in your life and you begin to feel the conviction of God and you begin to feel God moving and you say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. I need to honor God. If you come in and um, you've had a fight with your spouse on the way in, honor God. Honor your husband. Honor your wife. Honor God. This is our mandate. This is our opportunity. This is what we get to do. So can I challenge you simply this. Do you honor your head or do you honor yourself? Do you honor your head or do you honor yourself? This hopefully will set the tone for the rest of our series. Because is this point alone, if we cannot get this point, what's the sense in even going on? Because it's our head that is the one that matters. God and the head of, or excuse me, God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of the woman. And if you will, the woman and the children underneath. Understand we all have a head and we all have a responsibility to honor that head.